Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Snug Wrestling. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. That's right. You are tuned into Snug Wrestling, where it's wrestling all day, every day. And now here is your host, Edgar Avila. AEW was the talk of the wrestling world once again for more controversies, but not controversies in the ring, but controversies outside of the ring on X once again. But I guess there is no such thing as bad publicity as long as there's publicity, that's all that matters. Because Tony Khan had another Twitter rant, but got put in his place by the USA Network, Eric Bischoff, and Jinder Mahal. Not even his cage match rating can save Tony Khan on this one and also Chris Jericho tried to block out all the booze and the NDA chants in the arena what's going on folks welcome to snug wrestling with me your host my name is Edgar and today we're going to be talking about AEW and the latest in Tony Khan said what and AEW's homecoming episode of Dynamite in Daily's Place this is snug wrestling episode number 128 and we decided to call this episode for all the wrong reasons because it always seems like when the world is talking about AEW is because of the owner of AEW speaking out of his ass and to help me today to give you all the latest and Tony Khan said what I have a special guest so please welcome the astonishing the exceptional the breathtaking the spectacular Sherry On the latest of Tony Khan's Twitter X meltdowns, old Tony boy decided to send out a tweet in defense of his booking decisions. Now this comes following after Hook's announcement which aired after last week's collision episode in which Hook publicly challenged Samoa Joe claiming that he was coming after his AEW World Heavyweight title. Now this left a lot of fans puzzled and wondering what the fuck really this makes no sense. Mr. Khan took it upon himself to explain his reasoning behind this decision and in the process took another shot at wwe by tweeting out the following a double standard 28 to 1 career record on winning streak calls out the champ a logical challenge sparks online outrage jinder has literally lost every single match he's in for the past year immediately gets a title shot where's the rage this tweet got a lot of attention from thousands of people but one of the most interesting responses Khan's tweet received was from the official USA Network's Twitter account in which they replied, was that a cage match rating? Causing the entire Twitter X world to blow up. Eric Bischoff then decided to chime in and requoted a tweet about Abaddon getting a title shot after being off TV for a year. Bischoff simply asked Khan if this was true, to which Khan responded by denying those claims and stating, Abaddon came back and earned her title shot by defeating great wrestlers, which is completely different than someone going a full year losing every match. Tony then popped off and took another shot at not only WWE, but also directly to Bischoff himself by saying, reading would be your friend, Eric. Ooh, sassy. This Twitter beef caused such a loud commotion that even Dave Meltzer dragged his messy ass into the mix. Dave went to his little bunny Khan's rescue by saying something along the lines of, Tony Khan is doing better numbers
Rogers than Eric Bischoff did in WCW. Now this isn't a direct quote because it appears that the tweet has since been deleted. And then to top it all off, some WWE talents and executives also caught wind of this crazy Twitter drama between Tony Khan and Eric Bischoff. And then they decided to throw in their two cents, which made all of this even more entertaining. Corey Graves sent out an X tweet stating, Ginger rules. WWE superstar Ginger Mahal tweeted, Who the fuck is Hook? And WWE executive Bruce Pritchard had this to say about Tony Khan and AEW. Ah, ah, you think I'm hot? You know I'm sexy. Your knees get weak whenever I'm around. You hear me talk. You see me walk. The chicks go wild and make grown man cry. I'm just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. I'm not your boy, talk. I'm just your sexy boy. Sexy boy. I'm just a boy, Thank you for those comments, brother love. Couldn't have said it better myself. That was the latest news on Tony Khan said what with Spectacular Sherry. Edgar, take it away. Oh, Tony, when are you ever going to learn? People are going to criticize and have their own opinions, even if they're right or wrong. Who cares, Tony? Let it go. Ignore it. Don't entertain them. Focus on your program and stop worrying about what the WWE is doing. It's not healthy for you or your brand in this case the critics are right just because someone has a 28 and 1 record that does not mean that they should get a title shot tony i think even the person with the most basic wrestling knowledge knows that it's about the star power and the drawing power you might have someone go 75 and 0 but it wouldn't matter if all the matches were random cold matches with no meaning behind them that no one cared about or even remembers hook having 28 wins is not going to make your main event more interesting if you want hook to be in the main event for a main title put him in a program with joe build a feud instead of just throwing hook randomly out there and expect people to be invested and not question this decision now that i got all of that out my system AEW's homecoming episode of dynamite AEW is back in daddy's place after more than over a year of being in jacksonville so let's get into the in-ring part of AEW. Let's go. And we start off with the cold match to open up the show, Claudio versus Hangman. And for some odd reason, these guys couldn't wait to get their hands on each other because immediately, as soon as the bell rings, these guys are pouncing on each other and begin to start doing a bunch of moves on each other nonstop. And they go out of the ring and this just chaos all over the place. There was no buildup for this match, no in-ring storytelling, no anticipation to the finish, nothing. This was just, hey, this is the first match of the show let's go out there and try to set a high pace exciting tone for this show these guys have faced each other in the past during those blackpool combat club versus elite matches that happened in the pay-per-views over six months ago at forbidden door and double or nothing but this is the first time claudio and hangman ever faced each other one-on-one and we probably won't see them cross paths ever again for another six months moving forward so 
why would anyone care for this match? The only reason is to add more wins and losses to their records. So in a few months, Tony Khan can say, hey, Claudio has 28 wins. Hey, man, it has 28 wins. Let's give them a title shot, even though they're not really a big draw. That's it. Not to start a program or to start a feud or an ongoing storyline between Hangman and Claudio. Although a program between Claudio and Hangman could have some legs if done properly, but right now, there's no reason to care about this match. Stop being too honest, Edgar. Just enjoy wrestling, bro. Okay, fine. Well, these guys did a bunch of cool moves on each other nonstop, and Magnum TA from Wish beat Claudio. The first eight-person tag of the night, because apparently we're getting two of these on this episode, Orange Cassidy, Preston Vance, Dustin Rose, and Adam Copeland versus Lance and the Gates of Agony. And the first thing I notice about this match, help me break this down. Preston Vance, El Perro Peligroso, is paying tribute to the late, great Brody Lee that we all loved and miss. And that's beautiful. I'm all for that. That's not the problem, obviously. But I am going to point out the obvious here. This guy, Preston, is on the babyface team. The white boy that carries around the Mexican flag that was clearly healing not that long ago is on the babyface team now all of a sudden. Not only that, Vance is part of La Facción Los Ingobernables, who came back as a babyface team, but then turned Roosh, the leader of the faction, into a heel randomly during the Continental Classic Tournament. So now Vance, his faction leader, is a heel. But hey, a wise man once said, anything can be ruined if you overthink it, so don't think about it too much and just enjoy wrestling, bro. And that wise man was the weekend. Preston Vance got the pin to give his babyface team the win of all people. And Orange Cassidy, Preston, Dustin Rhodes, and Adam Copeland picked up the win in this Brody Lee tribute match. A new super faction might be forming the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. The Bullet Club Gold were being interviewed when the Acclaim interrupted them once again for the second week in a row, proposing an alliance between these two groups. And man, the Acclaimed are really desperate for friends. First MJF and now the Bullet Club Gold. Poor guys. Just imagine it. The Bullet Club Gold and the Acclaimed together and all of them holding titles. That's very possible actually because there's like 67 titles in this company. So the chances of all six of the Bang Bang Scissor Gang all having title belts is very likely. Samoa Joe no longer carrying MJF's Burberry Triple B Championship title decided to go back to the traditional black and gold strap. And besides changing the belt, Samoa Joe is going to make some more changes to the challenger protocol. No longer can you come out to the ring and cry on the mic about your misfortunes. And no longer can you go on Twitter to make your ho-ass comments. Just bring your win-loss record and if you're worthy enough, you can get this beat down by the champ. And how great is Samoa Joe? Such a great talker, great promo, no bullshit type of talent. Samoa Joe did his due diligence by enforcing the win-loss record Tony Khan was trying to justify recently on Twitter. However, Samoa Joe is no dummy and knows exactly how wrestling should work because he used the key word, worthy. Bring your record and if you're worthy enough. And it's like when Samoa Joe said the word worthy, that was Swerve Strickland's cue to come out because right now Swerve is probably the most worthy opponent for Samoa Joe, not Hook and not the other guy that decided to throw his name in that hat randomly, Magnum TA from Wish, Hangman Adam Page. The first 
first thing Samoa Joe said was, you can no longer come out and cry about your misfortune. And what does Hangman do as soon as he comes out the ring? I beat Moxley in a Texas death. I reunited with the elite. I deserve a title shot. Blah, 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 blah. But this segment was not over yet because Jinder Mahal showed up looking for the crazy guy that was talking about him on Twitter. Now, wouldn't that be some shit? No, it was actually Hook himself, who apparently is going to get a title shot next week on Dynamite versus Samoa Joe. And the best match of the entire night, and my favorite for so many reasons, was Sammy Guevara versus Ricky Starks. And okay, we finally get a singles match that actually makes sense because there is a reason to have this match. This is leading to the Battle of the Belts for a match for the tag team titles. This isn't just a cold match for once, and they didn't pounce on each other as soon as the bell rang and started doing a bunch of moves on each other non-stop. Sammy and Ricky Starks took their time and had a wrestling match in the ring. And I know this is going to be hard to believe, but we know Sammy is the babyface and Ricky Starks is not. Wow, amazing how that works sometimes. Sammy Guevara won with a great looking super kick and then an inside cradle and that was it. That's all you need for a match that's building up to the Battle of the Belts. Sammy didn't hit Ricky Starks with seven Canadian destroyers and four running knees to beat Ricky Starks. This was really refreshing to see. Sammy and Ricky Starks did exchange a handshake after the match that was very out of character for Ricky Starks and I was about to say really what the fuck but it was all a swerve bro because Ricky Starks was just actually distracting Sammy Guevara so Big Bill can attack Sammy Guevara from behind. Wonderful. I was afraid that they were almost going to shit the bed by having these two hug it out after the match but this turned out a way for Chris Jericho to do a superhero run-in and save Sammy Guevara and get the big pop and the entire time Jericho and Sammy were fighting off with the tag team champions Judas was playing non-stop in the background Jericho was really trying hard to rally the fans behind him by giving everyone high fives waving his hands in the air trying to hype up the crowd while Judas was playing loud as fuck just to hide all the NDA chants and all the booze Chris Jericho was getting in Jacksonville. Awkward. Everything about this match and the segment and the afterbirth was just great for all the good and the bad reasons. The second eight-person tag match of the night was an eight-women's tag team match and we got to see Thunder Rosa back on Dynamite for the first time since August 2022. Back when Tony Storm was teaming up with Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is teaming up with Willow, Statlander, and Anna Jay for this eight women's tag match. And since when is Anna Jay a babyface? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Just enjoy wrestling, bro. And they were facing the outcasts, Julia Hart and Sky Blue. Like most of the other matches taking place on this show, I didn't really see a reason to have this match either. The only reason was to have as much talent as possible from the women's division to give them all TV time. Unlike the last match between Sammy Guevara and Ricky Starks, this eight-woman tag team match was not like that at all. We've been seeing Brian Keith a lot lately doing jobs on Collision and on Dynamite. After this last episode of Collision, where we saw Griff Garrison, Brian Keith, the Work Horseman, and some other underneath talent, it got me thinking, is Collision the developmental program for Dynamite now? Because after a few appearances by Brian Keith on 
Collision, he is now having a singles match on Dynamite versus Roderick Strong. And they're probably going to do the same thing with Griff Garrison and the next guy and the next guy and the guy after that. Just you wait and see. Roderick Strong got the win over Brian Keith and after the match, Adam Cole cut a promo where he put over all of his new faction members. Roderick Strong, one of the best wrestlers in the world. The Kingdom one day will go down as one of the greatest tag teams ever and Big Badass Wardlow, we are going to win that AEW title one day. Adam Cole is serious about this whole Christian Cage and Luchasaurus hype. AEW's new signee, Deanna Perrazzo, she was getting interviewed and it looks like Deanna is going to have her debut match over on AEW Developmental, aka Collision versus Red Velvet. Sting and Darby were on the main event versus the Don Callis family, Will Hobbs and Takeshka. And I don't even think this match was a tag team match. I think this was called something else, like a tornado tag, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because it was no disqualification, anything goes, and there was chaos all over Daly's place. Ric Flair even had a spot in this match where he tried to chop Will Hobbs and failed miserably, so Ric Flair just said, fuck it, and went to gouge the eyes of Will Hobbs. And that was classic Flair in all of his glory. I'm starting to hate watching these matches with Darby Allin because I'm afraid that one day this guy is really gonna fuck himself up for real and i would hate for that to happen call me a bitch call me a scaredy cat call it whatever you want i don't care i don't watch wrestling to watch people really get hurt darby allen just has no chill when it comes to taking these bumps and risking his own body and apparently neither does sting sting has been spending way too much time with darby allen because sting decided it would be a good idea to give hobbs a scorpion death drop from the stage down to the two tables that were set up on the floor and both sting and hobbs are stupid for even doing that bump they both crashed hard almost missed the tables and sting got the win for his team after that spot it took sting a really long time to get up after that bump and i'm sure he's gonna be feeling that tomorrow but i hope it's only for tomorrow because sting has a big retirement match coming up that tony Schiavone after this match asked Sting the big question who will it be and the Young Bucks music plays and here come the returning recently transformed super evil Bucks giving their best impression of Zoolander making funny faces to the camera no god no god please no 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 Yes, yes, Michael. Trust me, we all feel your pain, but slow your roll, Michael Scott. This is just a tease. Nothing is set in stone. Hopefully, this is all a swerve, bro, because Sting deserves a way better farewell than a tag team match versus the Bucks in his final match. I mean, it's Sting. I can think of many worthy names that can give Sting a proper goodbye, but let me know what you guys think about all of this craziness. Who Sting should really face in a final match what type of match should it be hit me up at snug wrestling thank you guys for listening and we'll talk soon